0: What's up guys this is Nikki from the moto minded podcast presented to you by moto delivered the monthly subscription box for those who ride episode 10 and we're diving into a really interesting subject on this episode i think all of us at one time or another have wondered what it would be like to ride a dirt bike for a living Now, I think all of us had the realization at a fairly young age that we were not going to be the next McGrath or Carmichael, but maybe you were looking through a magazine and you saw some of those test riders in there and their job was just to test out dirt bikes all day. I know myself and many of my friends around me always thought like, oh my God, wouldn't it just be so amazing to just ride dirt bikes all day if that was your job? The guest we've got on today is Mike Sleater. Mike's leader has done a pretty extensive amount of testing for KTM. He also does the bike test for swap moto live, um, formerly trans world motocross. And he's just a, he's been in the industry for a long time. This guy knows his stuff. And, uh, we had the pleasure of sitting down with him for an amazing interview. So sit back and enjoy this one guys. Um, I think you'll get a lot out of it, So let's dive into it. Okay. So we're here with, uh, Mike's leader. Um, he is a uh, a big guy in the industry, in my eyes. Um, he's he's done quite a bit of um, you know a little bit of everything in the industry, but you know on this topic of writing uh, for your career, um, he's got a bit of experience in that. So, uh, Mike, why don't you just give people a little bit of uh, intro on you know your uh, you know your introduction into the industry and uh, what what you're uh, what you're doing currently? Well,
1: thanks for first and foremost for having on and, and uh kind of share my story. Probably one of the more unique ones, more of like I guess you say the working class story, which there's not a lot in this industry, um, coming from a racer. Totally. So yeah, I um I grew up racing um, started sort of racing uh GMMC, the California Mini Motorcycle Club. That's a real famous uh, dating myself now today. Um famous <laughs> race club down in San Diego County uh, at a racetrack called Verona Oaks. of the crew um, and it was the crew was of the oldest was raw like Rick Johnson raw machine. Uh, oh, wow. I wasn't having fun, and they just stopped. And I say stopped, stopped racing, but not stopped riding. hmm <laughs> and I was like, "Holy shit! Holy crap! This is a uh, a different deal." Yeah. Motive. I, I like a throttle people group one of the main
0: Yeah, no, and we've talked about that on the podcast quite a few times where it's, it, 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 it's hard for us to even wrap our mind around how even kids that have been riding for so long make that leap. It's just so, it's such an incredibly difficult thing to do, you know, I, I, I don't even know how guys do it. And then the multiple disciplines, whether it's outdoor, it's supercross, I mean, that's, those are entirely different things altogether, so.
1: Yeah, it was quite, it was quite daunting. Um, you know, I, I did. I, I I can't say I did a podcast and swap out of any major. We talked a little bit about some stuff. And one thing I can say is looking back at that, like that time when I was in 2001 to 2002, like those two two and a half years, I was too kind of involved with the process. I loved like the whole process of Supercross. I loved, you know, like. When I do the show, I wasn't super fanning. I just loved building my bike, seeing my graphics play a factory team. Mm-hmm. And, like, I spent a lot of time in the details where, like, that, that I advise kids, like, just work on setting your bike up. But mm-hmm. the fitness will come. The teams want to be speed. So I was worried about, like, all the other stuff because I know the speed takes time.
0: Yeah, yeah, more of a more of an evolution, you know, mindset where it's gonna take a long time to get to that point. So sounds, sounds like you were pretty wise in that regard. So
1: Yeah, and then and then like I said, I struggled for a few years and then I thought the first year the first year the 250F or not the first year but no, sorry, in two thousand three or four I I, I got on Yamaha 250F and, and Logan darian who's the founder of Dash Family. Um, good friend of mine, he was going to college, and, yeah, you know, by me, I was, uh, creative, uh, art director role that he has now, and he at supercross only, and we built a little two-man team, once again, I loved the process of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude, we I crushed him, our bikes looked insane, my brother was my mechanic, his dad was his mechanic, we West Coast swing, and we all, I made like every main event, the first six, um, on a bone stock Yamaha with f with RG3 suspension and Joe Stein. And I was being, like, Patrick Suzuki of with Brian Gray. Um, I, was, I was doing really, really well. And that was, like, an aha moment.
0: was gonna I was gonna kind of point that out um do you think that that aspect of you controlling the things that you can control and being so detail oriented do you think that that played a huge factor into like why KTM wanted to get you involved with that or I mean was there a specific set of strengths that they were really you know um that you think really benefited you in in that testing realm because that's you know a lot of what this episode I wanted to bring to light is like exactly how difficult you know a career in testing is you know where that's been most of your um experience has been within testing and research and development and all that good stuff um do you think that detail-oriented stuff is you know uh, a lot of what made you um someone that ktm would want to hire for this
1: absolutely i think it was a blessing and a curse that i like i said i i was getting in my own way because i want i love the details my bike and i love the whole process. And my dad was super hard on me, like, you know, growing up, you got to change your own tires, you got to know how to work on them. And he takes, he took the time to teach me. So when you're testing and developing, I wasn't a master tech, but I could get the job done. And I, I wasn't afraid to get my hands dirty. And I keep TCM in 2004 is no way the same as it is now, right? Um, you know, it, it was a very it was a small on and pop shop, literally, um, yeah. as a manufacturer.
0: Hard to, it's and, hard to imagine it's hard to imagine right now for sure thinking of them as a mom and pop <laughs> shop at some point
1: yeah literally there was like 15 employees in north america Wow. and uh um yeah yeah it was crazy so um yeah like i tested a couple times with swap motor live i did some stuff with mx insider and i was always willing i guess that's the thing like i was always willing to do something and yes it could have been a distraction to the racing but i kind of Knew I need to keep myself relevant and visible, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right to the to people, and that that's where I came in. with like, hey, can you test? I'm a Ryan Ragland, and I'm like, yeah, I can test. And there's a Sunday, yeah, I'll test. I don't have much budget, I'll do it for free. Yeah, right. I just made myself available Mm -hmm. because I wanted to learn, and I was like very, I was like a sponge. And then he's like, hey, can you test this next week? And I think, I mean, they were testing me as much as I was helping them. Uh, And then literally in 2000 uh five. They're like hey like Mitsuga five like hey we want to give you a race engine and, and factory suspension and have you start testing motors for for us and and at the races and seeing I was in a, a left, he was going through um you know the uh championship with Tedesco right? Yeah. And and I I was running motors for them. So I was always available to your point. I was ready and willing and wasn't making a lot of money but I had I want
0: to give them an opportunity to to see what I mean. Yeah, and that's... I mean, this is how I see most of these things, especially in this industry. It's like something everybody wants to do, and that's a point that I made in the intro of this episode. It's like everybody's thought about that idea of riding a dirt bike for a living, right? But most of us realize early on we're not going to be a pro pro racer, right? Like, that's a... that's a pretty early realization for most. It's like, I, you know, we're, I'm just not going to be a James Stewart or, you know, a Carmichael or, you know, a Villapoto or whatever. But you always think of these jobs where it's like, I, I'd love to be a tester or something like that. But um, you got to really just put yourself out there and be available for those people and, and not expect a paycheck at the end of the day sometimes to really get your foot in the door. And that sounds like that's how you had to do it in your case, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I wasn't, I wanted to learn. Um, you know, I wanted to learn and that was primarily it is I wanted to learn. I wanted to, to learn from that bike to make my bike better. So I was just a very, a student of the sport and, and, and of the, of that, that whole process. I love the process of developing bikes and working on my bikes and, you know, understanding how and, and, and whatnot and, um, but i still had this crazy desire to race yeah. i mean i, I mean i, I can't even explain i had this crazy desire and the time and typically as a racer you a test rider you don't get to race because it becomes a liability
0: Talk about those Mike Slater 125s uh, are the thing, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, like that—that's the thing. Is like I, 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 could not build a bike or have access to a test track. So it's like pick, pick your battles. And I think I, I chose the right, the right, right way. And, and we we were able to go racing in two thousand six um, under like uh, uh, I had two brothers racing. Um, they had a full blown like. Semi, like a classy semi toy sh- show hauler. Yeah, I think I remember I think, I remember. I think I remember that.
0: I do remember that.
1: I was number eighty-one at shift Gear Fox helmet. The first year Tiger designs was around. I was his first rider. Nice. My setup was my setup to this day would be like one of the best.
2: Like it was <laughs> so
1: insanely, it looked so good. Going back to, I loved the process of like the whole deal. Um, and uh, dude, I got to go out. and a lot of goals and and I was literally flying from Europe on a Friday night before a supercross and race Saturday which because it was the testing first then the racing mm-hmm. and 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 I was able to sustain a lot of years without in, I mean virtually no injuries and so they trusted me and they trusted I'd take I'd take make good good choices and get back to work on Tuesday you know Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday whatever Came first. I couldn't say, "Oh, I'm training with my trainer," or "Oh, I'm going to ride this track." No, everything was dictated to me what I got to do, yeah, or what I had to do, what what track I was riding, what bike I was riding, how long I was riding. Mm-hmm. So I didn't dictate that. But having someone subsidize it and let you do it on their dollar was way better. Of course, it gonna come out of my
0: yeah, pocket. Yeah, and you. I mean, it sounds like you were just all in. I mean, that's that's the reality of a lot of these things too. And being in this industry as a whole, in my experience, is like you're all in, or you just don't. Stay around, and I think that you being all in and being really reliable—you know—it sounds like you were just super reliable. It's like they knew that they could trust you to do that. And I think that weeds out a lot of people right there, as far as like an idea of being like someone who does testing for a manufacturer. You have to be, you know, just the most reliable guy, and you have to be able to give consistent feedback, which it sounds like you're more than capable of giving. So yeah, I mean, it's it takes a very specific rider. It sounds like to be able to check all those boxes. Um, to to try to pursue that type of work um, for a big manufacturer like KTM.
1: Yeah, and I was doing production at that time and race team stuff.
0: So
1: I had to go fast enough to get the bike to work for Nathan Ramsey and Josh Hansen and any of the riders that were on that team. And I also had to go into like alter ego (laughs) and and set the bike up for a consumer, which is a completely different
0: setup. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about that. Uh, Like to your point, when you hear about test riders, right, it's usually rippers like yourself. How is that hard for you to be like, if I was a lot slower, what would I want this bike to do? Or do you guys ever have like goon test riders out there? Cause if so, I think Nick and I are ready so, to slot, slot yeah. in and, and really help <laughs> yeah, out. Well, you got two right here. Yeah. If you need just like, if some you need real... some stolid, solid, solid mid pack guys. A, that's, that's, <laughs>
1: that's, yeah. That's like one of the most common asked questions or probably not asked. Like wonder like, House leader setting a bike up for me? 165, 16 pounds. Ride set up, fast the to me. How's that going to direct me? Well, I'm setting a bike up that I want to bring to you guys to go check this out instead.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Like, that was my whole layman's term of doing it. Like, if it's set up for me too stiff and, like, it's too firm and not a lot of movement, then you're going to be like, dude, it sucks. So I quickly learned, like, it's not for me. It's for you guys. And what's really cool is I I actually, it, at 40 years old, it's the first time in a long time I have a legit outdoor bike leader set up because I was faster on spot <laughs> hmm Outdoor, stuff, only outdoor, only outdoors because I was just supercross crossings all different. Right. I was faster on a spot bikes because I rode it all the time. Totally. Right? Because at KTM, I was, always on their equipment. So if I set it up for me, I'd only ride my bike once a month. I'd be like, dude, this is a, this is a hit. <laughs> right? like, it shit. It, 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 it's hard to ride because I was so used to like going, kind of just kind of translates to something else too. I didn't have hardly any injuries for 15 years on a dirt bike. Yeah, And I rode three days, three to five days a week, almost. Right? And the reason is, so I was riding at eighty five to ninety yeah. five percent on some equipment. So everything was processing so slow. Sure. Right? And I understood what that bike did bad. So who cares if it's good? I was like don't hit that hole. Yeah. Don't come in the turn like this. Yep.
2: Right? Mm-hmm.
1: and i was able to have a very good comfortable feeling on my and know they did bad and not they make sure that it is didn't put in that, that predicament
0: yeah well that's that is an interesting point of view. like to think of it that way because there's no way one person can you know predict so many things for different size riders or skill levels but yeah if you're pointing out the just blatant like Blatant the issues with the bike that are going to just affect everybody. You know, if you can chisel away at that stuff, you know that's probably a majority of the of the legwork uh, on trying to perfect a bike for you know the mass majority. So, um, you know, one other thing I wanted to or another thing I wanted to ask Mike was, you know, the reality of riding for a living. Like, even let's just say testing, for example, can someone make a living just with like doing a testing job for a manufacturer? Like, can can and I mean, this is kind of a loose term because everybody's, you know, style of living or where they live or what have you is totally different. But I would imagine most of the testing is done in Southern California. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah.
1: It's. It, uh, I mean, I, I'll give you numbers that I made. Like that's, that's, I'm not doing it anymore. I don't care
0: to do it for a living anymore. Yeah. But, I mean, I just I mean, I, mean, I was I'm, more thinking like in comparison to like because we, <laughs> we all know like how expensive it is to live in California, period. I mean, it, it's just. It's yeah, insane, so, so but... check
1: this out. like yeah. So you can, you can, but you can't. And, mm-hmm. and I once again had an anomaly. I, I, my first contract in 2006 was $4, $12, 000, uh, $12, for twelve thousand dollars, twelve thousand five hundred dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And, and man, I I struggled. I did lessons and did work, but well, um, you 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 can't you, 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 you
0: can't ball out on twelve k <laughs> a year living in California. What are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I, I was, I was, uh, I was hustling, but I, I my racing and riding was subsidized. Yeah,
0: that right?
2: so was a yeah. win at that point,
1: totally. Right? So totally, That was killer. Like, I didn't have bike to buy, horses to buy, tires to buy. I was just <laughs> working, yeah, like and working with riding. So that was cool. And then it went up to like twenty-four the next year, and then it went up again. And like every, and then I started doing two-year deals.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: oh six.
0: So you, learned, you had, like, you had your priorities in line, for sure. So you had to keep those, you had to keep yeah. those correct. Or yeah, if you flip that, it would be, you know, that would all go away pretty quick, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. So like when we opened up, I said I was truly one of the only middle class guys, because you either made like, you know, six figures out of the gate plus bonuses, yada, yada, yada.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or you were writing for free, where I was like, hey, I'll make, you know, I'll, I'll do that for 60 grand. And then I'll test for this guy, I'll test for this guy, and just, you know, maybe a couple I'll make, maybe I'll make, you know, a net 100K at the end of the year, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but it, but I had to say LB, right? I had, to, I and that was to your point, it's like, you gotta limit your risk and liability, and, um, uh, it's not about you, it's about the manufacturer. It's like, and, and they control, they control you and what you do, and if you don't like that, the testing's not your, not, not your jam.
0: Totally. Yeah. And I think that's um, I was going to say when you when you started saying about all these other gear gear deals, I was like, this is like the true definition of entrepreneurship, you know, because you were like create you were maneuvering and like kind of stacking these things on one another. And without doing that, you know, it probably wouldn't have been feasible, you know, to just do the one thing. But as soon as you start using your mind and you're like, wait, but I could. I could do this and this and this all at the same time. It's it's really a lot of resourcefulness, and it's a pretty pretty cool story to hear um, that you were able to you know create that on your own.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I had some really good people I got to work with, um, and a lot of you know a lot of things are timing based, right? Sure. I got to work at GTM at an agency. I, I got to develop one industry here. I got to do a lot of, I mean, I was part of 100% in the infancy because that was, a, that's the same group that just, uh, started One Industries is now started 100%. Mm-hmm. So I've got to be a part of a really cool project and they trusted me as a trust, I guess you say a trusted source. Yeah. They knew that i that I get the job done. I was even, um, part of those jobs were to go to photo shoots for the, you know, A-lister factory guy, find berms for them to hit <laughs> and find stuff for those guys to hit and like, it sounds stupid, but yeah, I was literally like almost like a flood. I'd, I'd, I'd <laughs> love to see right. your
0: LinkedIn profile. It's like Berm locator for one hundred percent. And then Yeah, you'd have the you'd have the most interesting <laughs> moto related LinkedIn profile of all time. Hey, he's gonna <laughs> come <laughs> oh yeah, this, person, yeah, no, this like person's this that... person's giving you uh, you know, credentials on, on berm location. Osborne's you're, you're gonna come ride right this corner, but we need you to dig the rut out, okay? So we just need you to just <laughs> go in there, dig this thing out, and then we'll take the photos when he comes through.
2: It,
1: it it's honestly insane. That's that's literally what happened with Seven Evers in two thousand and ten before the eleven linkage launched. It was like, Hey, Stefan's coming, where should we ride? Like from KTM, where should we ride? Who should build the track? Da, 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 da. And I I just was love like once again I loved the process. So it was like test rider, marketing, and then in KPM that led to like one, one of my biggest accolades that was like a professional in in business was creating and founding the mm. order, Yeah. Uh, amateur program.
2: That was my baby.
1: So I, in my, when I stopped, when I stopped racing professional AMA stuff, like in 2010, I was like a priority. Um, I still raced, like as you know, I, I, am still racing tomorrow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, uh, I, I was able to, um, John Eric Burleson, the CEO, president of Keith in North America at the time, just kind of saw like this entrepreneurship and this will to want to work. Mm -hmm. And me, and Christy LaCurl at KTM, uh, founded the Orange Brigade, which is now is the strongest amateur program in, in amateur motocross. So it's something I'm very proud of.
0: Um, yeah, no, that's huge. That is huge. And you, when you're thinking about the future, I think that's such a big part of this. I mean, obviously, you have you have kids yourself. So I mean, I I know you've probably got some of that stuff on your mind regularly. Um, but that's got to be so cool, um, knowing that you're you know you're looking out for that next generation of kids. Because when you were a kid, you would probably would have loved something like the Orange Brigade. I mean, wouldn't that have just, that would have just been unreal to have as a kid.
1: Yeah. Well, well you nailed it. I'm like, I want something that I didn't have. Right? Totally. And I had a signature tennis shoe. I had a signature tennis shoe, tennis shoe through DC and Orange Brigade KTM tennis shoe. I had signature school candy headphones. I was making mm-hmm. a lifestyle program as long as a race program. So I'm like, these kids want to yeah. be cool. Like, they, they don't, like... They they want if parents want them to win. I don't win, but they think they're cool and they're better than everyone else. <laughs> they they will, they, you know.
0: Yep, that's a huge part of the mental side for sure. Yep,
1: yep.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I definitely got to let you know you're not gonna you know get rid of that moto fluffer nickname. I think I'm gonna just refer to you as that uh, every time I see you now. So <laughs> well, that one I, might stick I, with you. It should be that <laughs> podcast episode name. <laughs> the moto Mike, fluffer. The moto yeah, fluffer. Episode. <laughs> <this leader>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it continues on. Like, I'm doing stuff with intense cycles, and uh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you it, it, it become that trusted source. Hey, will you go shoot this new bicycle? And it's like, I'm like, I'm like really? Like, well, we just know we're going to get the shot. All right. Like, here's a bike. Go out with Simon Kobe in the mountains and find the shots we need. We need a shot list like this. Okay. So it's like, once again, like being in green, not going for a photo shoot, understanding why that's the talking. At a young age, I wanted to understand why this photographer wanted that shot mm-hmm. and why, like, you know, so he, he, I think my recommendation to anyone wanting to do that is that this really be a student of the industry and, and ask questions and don't just, like, the biggest thing is you don't have to be fast, you just have to do it right.
0: Yeah. And I have a, I have a note here that I wanted to talk to you about, and this kind of segues right into that. Um, I think both you and I um, can agree that the moto industry is filled with passionate people, and I think that that is strictly by like it has to be that way. Like to be in the industry, you really do have to be extremely passionate about you what you do, because there is just not room for other people. Like, would you agree with that, Mike? I mean, that everybody who's like still around in the moto industry, they're clearly passionate about what they do, and they're willing to do whatever to to do it right.
1: Absolutely. I, I when I left KTM, um, uh, it was a decision I thought ready for Mm -hmm. uh but i cried i literally cried driving down the street like what did i do you know Mm -hmm. like and it was not about the bunny or the or the position it's about like what am i going to be without this right so because i love going to the track and being part of that passion right and i love the 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 few bike launches and i love trying those other things um you know but yeah, you, you got to put the work in. If you count your hours and you count your time, you're gonna—you will not like that the, the, <laughs> the,
2: uh, mathematical
1: equation on what you're making. No, right? No. But 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 the gratification for me now is, you know, that my—I get to attract my boys. And I can I can tell my story, and hopefully people can resonate. And and uh, I, I figured it out. I'm very proud that I was able to figure it out. Uh, I remember a guy. They were Drew Kruger, he managed Universal Engineering with the Anthem Company and Clamps, worked for four for years. And he told me I should quit racing in 2002. He's like, two. like, dude, you should quit. Like, you've had some injuries and, you know, you're really good. You're a freaking awesome guy and really intelligent, but you should, there's no shame of being in the fastest guy on the block.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? And I'm, I'm like, dude, like, like I, I, in my senior yearbook, I put, I will race as long well as I can and find the job, and I, I find a rat job in the industry. Like I, I, had to figure it out. Like that was just what my goal was. And I made myself available. I worked hard. I was clean There There is a formula to an extent, right? And I, I just took the formula. Made myself available. Um, and, and there's one guy that I think that the household name is not a racer that took that road for me for one year for Orange that I could not be more proud of that. Oh, wow! He is so much he's passionate driven. Yeah. Um and his passion in making himself available when he was young was why he did six speed racing. Not because of his work ethic, not because of his talent. Is he was always available for these shoes and this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. But it, it took away from the racing pool. It's, he made the best choice ever of being a free rider and doing things his way. And I think that's the best example of, like, I was a driven racer in development very square box. I put a square peg in the square hole. Mm-hmm. He had a square peg in a round hole. And he finally grabbed the round peg and he found the spot. So not everyone has the same path. Axel Hawks the same thing, right? He was fine. you got to be a racer. you got to be a racer. The racer, your neighbor with them, your racer, and look
2: at, yeah, he'd
1: never be the racer that he is, a free rider. So, having that passion, and those guys work so hard, so hard. Like, they're they doing edits filming, and filming and taking risks and, and, and doing social media. Like, yes, it, it doesn't seem like work for some people because it's fun, but they're on all the time,
0: strictly pass driven. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people realize. <laughs> I think everybody thinks that those guys' jobs are so easy, but like it it is so difficult to do what any of those guys are doing. Like for an example, like an Axel Hodges, just to do as much social media and all the stuff that kid does all the time. I mean, it's just it's nuts. So I mean, you can do just about anything in the moto world. It's just you've got to find out like, you know, where the attention is, like what brands or what companies want and like how you can fit into that, you know, that uh structure and like how you're going to make yourself valuable, you know, and and if that brings you happiness, which, you know, it sounds like you have definitely done in spades, um, you know, and it's it's cool to see you doing so much in this industry. And, you know, I know every time that you and I talk, it's, we don't, we we could talk for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour about like just the most smallest things, because we just like keep rolling and rolling and rolling and talking about, you know, all the things we're, you know, excited about doing, you know, it's almost... It's almost like being a young kid, you know. If you ask me, this is all I wanted to do as a kid too. And you know, I'm I'm surrounded by people that ride and race moto, and I might not be the number one dude on the gate, but I get to be around it um, as part of my job. Um, and you know, it sounds like you're fulfilling that same dream. So it's it's very cool to see.
1: Thanks, man. It's it, it just very kind words. Yeah, I, I, I do love it. Um, it brought a lot of joy to my my life. I've had my wife in the racing. Her brother's. Uh, brothers are the Reardon boys, uh Daniel Reardon, Liz Andrew, a very successful racers in their own from Australia. Um yeah I just a lot of all of like I said, 90% of my friendships from Moto. Um but I grew up with some separation. I want to be clear I, I served I, I did a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I played team sports I went to school and I think that's important to have a balance. Um, and even when I when I, you know when I was racing a lot I, I, a lot of my
2: Mhm.
0: healthy balance that's the key man well uh Absolutely. awesome man i uh i wanted to highlight here too if you've got anything to plug i wanted to talk about you've got pinnacle nutrition group which people should de- definitely check out um for hydration um uh anything else you want to plug on the on the show before we uh before we wrap up here mike yeah yeah
1: thanks man i like i just said we stopped on i'm working head back from uh that has, my partner, Chad Tempo. Um, we are visiting some bike shops, some dealers, some potential dealers, and I really just want to thank all of our ambassadors and, 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 and customers, PG and g they for like a year and a half really into this, and if, if it wasn't for everyone that was supporting us, it would not be possible. Um, definitely want to promote, uh I want to as a of the life group. I like, they opened me open arms and start, you know, having that testing drug, they and allow me to test and have a voice um, with other, other bikes, And that's really, I really love the fact that they that I love testing and developing, but I want to do it all day every day, like I didn't know. But it's something I'm very confident and passionate about. It's still a moonlight to it, like, having Don do that for me is great. Just all the people, um before all the people, my wife and kids. Like right? my wife, Sarah make them, and Ben and Noah, my two boys and are nine and seven, they they really drive me uh, to work hard and, and and to trust that dad's gonna deliver. So all the people that support me with racing and in in my hobbies, like can who I I really hear people around me, so a lot of them they know who they are. I I I text text them and daily and weekly about what we need to do better. So, yeah. um, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's, it's, it's always cool. That I've
0: been Absolutely, man. And, uh, recap stories. Very cool, man. Well, I appreciate you spending the time talking with us on this episode, man. Um, we'll have to make sure and get you back on again, uh, sometime too, uh, sometime as well. Maybe we'll get you and Chad on together. Um, we can talk more about, uh, nutrition in motocross. That would be a cool episode as well. So.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. I think there's a lot of information that people need to know. And uh, I think we're going to get up some more calcene Um get our, get, get our bicycles and, and do the full
0: two-wheel life, man. And, and get after. Sounds good, man. All right, Mike. Well, you have a good rest of your day, man. Thanks Thanks so much for uh, and Mike, chatting with remember, us. Mike, if, remember, if you need any amateurs or just, just really slow guys to do any testing, you know where to find us. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Yeah. If you need any amateur fluffers, we're here for you. <laughs> yeah, amateur fluff. First time for your guys. That's <laughs> good boy. All right, Mike, have a good one, right. man. Cheers.